This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Just F and Go Stories. I'm drinking green tea tonight. So this episode is in lieu of a an episode of Weekly Creep this week because we just didn't get a chance to record, unfortunately. But I get really stressed out if we don't put something out during the week. So I wanted to do something and this has been on the back burner for a while as well. As you can see, I've got my pumpkin right here because this was supposed to be for Halloween. And we've got our fire over here if I... How nice is that? Um, really trying to set the tone here. But yeah, with that said, we'll be back next week for H.H. Holmes Part 3. Very excited for that. All going to plan. Fingers crossed we'll be back next week. I'm aiming for Wednesday, but it's possibly going to be next Friday. Thank you all very much for your patience. And thanks to all our new patrons as well. We've got um, Garlic Dinner, whoever you are. I would actually like if you reached out and messaged me so that I did know who you are. Um, and Devin Teeter of Blunt Force History as well. Big thank you to everybody, all of our past, present and future patrons. Um, like that, it is only $2 at the minute because we, we don't even have time to do the regular stuff right now. So we can't commit to doing like background stuff. But if you want to subscribe for $2 a month, it's much appreciated. It goes towards books like books like the three books that I'm currently reading for H.H. H. Holmes, um, this series. So, yeah, like small things like that do add up and anything from the Patreon is much appreciated. So with that being said, I'm going to jump straight into reading ghost stories. Our first story this week is from Broken Dreamer, 1997. Okay, this is going to sound totally crazy. And I know I'm bound to get a ton of puns from this, but has anyone else seen black-eyed children come from their closets as kids? When I was five, I shared a room with my baby sister and the closet door never closed right. As I got a little older, I remember seeing this little boy with black, soulless eyes come out of the closet and he would always want me to play with him. I had a decent nightlight that gave a soft glow throughout the room and the boy never travelled into the light. I remember how, at one point, he actually got mad that I kept refusing to play with him, and he snuck around the room, grabbed the cord to the nightlight, and threw it to the ground, immediately waking my baby sister, who started screaming. I got into trouble because my mom always thought that I was the one she heard playing in the room, and she was especially mad when she found the broken nightlight. She tried to punish me by leaving us without a nightlight, but I convinced her to at least leave the door open because I knew that way the boy wouldn't be able to get either of us. We eventually moved from the house and to this day, 
I have never slept in the full dark, especially with the closet door open. Up until this point, I wrote it off as a bad dream, and that was it. But my little sister, who was pregnant for the second time, said that she heard children giggling the other night that stopped whenever she turned on the lights and made sure all the doors throughout the house were shut, and it brought back memories. To make things even more interesting, my boss recently admitted that there's an old superstition about not letting children sleep in a dark room with the closet door open. When I asked why, he said that there were black-eyed children who would coax the children into the closet and they would never be seen again. Has anyone else experienced this phenomenon? Is there really an urban legend of black-eyed children luring random kids into their closets? Why do I only hear about black-eyed children going after adults in the streets? I need answers. The following story is from PB underscore Wolf. When I was born, my parents moved into this house. The first thing that happened, according to my mom, was in the early 90s when they had an old-style answering machine with the little tapes inside. When my mom saw that there was new messages on the machine right after plugging it in before our house phone was even turned on. When she checked the machine, there was three messages and all of them were from the same person screaming about how they were going to burn this house to the ground in the middle of the night and how we were horrible people and didn't belong there. This was weird, but not immediately thought to be paranormal. As I got a little bit older, around four or five, I started to always feel like someone was watching me in the basement and I would smell what smelled like a dead animal or rotting flesh. And at night, the lights in my bedroom would flicker off and on and I would hear scratching on the walls right next to my head while laying in bed. There were nights when I would have sleep paralysis while the lights would flicker on and off and as a five-year-old, I had no idea what was happening to me. I was so deeply terrified but was so young that I had no idea what was happening. I couldn't put it into words. One incident happened one night when my sister woke up to a fire in the middle of her bedroom in kind of a circle shape. She ran to my parents' room to wake them and when they came back, there was just a burnt circle in the middle of the carpet. The fire had gone out with no obvious explanation. Finally, I saw this thing that I now believe was demonic. It showed itself as a person sitting on my sister's bed, staring directly into my room from across the hallway. Its body was translucent and it had no facial features, just a blank face. He had a red jacket on with blue jeans. When I was 18, I had brought up seeing this thing to my mom in front of my sister. We had never spoken about this and I looked at my sister and she's just bawling and saying she saw it too which hit me so hard, it was like confirmation that I wasn't crazy and this thing did exist. I've had a few other experiences with ghosts throughout my life, but it never felt like that. This thing was a demon, and I'm glad to say by the time I was seven we moved out, but my dad still lived there, and I would have to go and stay there on weekends. I wasn't scared because being so young I couldn't process this stuff until I was older. One time I was staying there alone after we had moved out. I was sick and in bed watching TV and the channels just kept changing by themselves. But that was the last thing that happened. My dad sold the house and I've never been back since. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm just going to put a little trigger warning here. This next story mentions suicide. The following story is from accomplished underscore Add 2599. I joined the army in 1990 and got out in 1998 when I hit my midlife crisis. I joined the National Guard. A few years after joining the Guard, I was voluntold I was getting reassigned to a medical unit that was deploying to the Middle East. In January of 2019, I reported to my new unit and learned that in addition to deploying at the end of the year, I would have to go through an NTC rotation with the unit. NTC, for those who don't know, the National Training Center, is in the middle of the Californian desert. It's one of the most challenging training events the Army has and is as close to hell as we can get on this ball of dirt. Or so I think, anyway. Our rotation at NTC was scheduled to back up to our deployment, meaning we had to deploy our equipment from Fort Irwin instead of shipping it home. So... After 30 days in the desert, I got to watch my unit load up on buses and head home for a month while I got to stay at Fort Irwin and deal with packing, customs inspections and inventories. Out of around 5,000 guardsmen that made up the force deploying, around 300 of us had to stay behind. Because units don't typically have to deploy, Fort Irwin struggled to find a place for us to stay. The rotational unit locations were needed for the next unit that was coming in to do some training in the desert and the National Guard barracks on the post were needed for California Guardsmen who were doing their two weeks annual training that summer. So, after moving around a bit, we landed in what is known as Augmentee Billeting. This is where units that come in not to train but to assist the post full-time opposition force stay. 
Lucky for us, there were no augments needed for the upcoming training, so we got to use these barracks for three weeks. This is where my story begins. The work we needed to do was long and hard, but after two weeks, most of the heavy lifting was done, and we started to enjoy some downtime. This coincided with our move to the augmentee housing. When we first moved, the housing manager, a civilian, walked the senior leaders through the 12 buildings we were to occupy and the bathrooms we were allowed to use. The setup was typical for army short-term housing. Each building had two sides with bunk beds from front to back. The 12 buildings we occupied, along with some others, were arranged in a square with large bathrooms and open shelters for a meeting, eating, etc. in the area behind the buildings. Each unit had its buildings, and my unit had the one the furthest away from the assigned male bathroom. This was odd, because directly behind our building was another male bathroom. But it was locked, and it was not on the list to be assigned to us. Being older, I asked the housing manager if we could get that one assigned as well. Because I'm older, I must use the facilities more often, and I didn't want to walk halfway across the pad to the one male bathroom we had. He told me unfortunately that one was not available, which I took to mean it had maintenance issues. Just my luck. Fast forward a few days, and I was coming back from dinner with my team in Barstow, California. It was late, and when we arrived, there was a military police car parked in front of the building next to ours. Being sensitive to issues with the National Guard and the act of duty, I decided to walk to the smoking area behind the building with the military police to see if I could find out who had messed up and what we could do to avoid paperwork. When I got to the end of my building and started walking to the smoking pit, I swear I heard a scream and running water from the locked bathroom. However, I also saw one of our senior females talking to a military police officer at the smoking pit while I looked at the bathroom as I walked by. I was more interested in finding out what was up with the military police. When I reached the female NCO, I knew. She immediately said, You heard that, right? The scream? I said, Yes. It's been going on for a half an hour. Looks like someone broke into the bathroom and is tearing up the place. Great, I thought. Someone got drunk and is going to get arrested. Please don't let it be one of my guys. I turned to the military police and introduced myself. I asked if she had been into the bathroom yet and if she had any idea who was inside. She kind of laughed and said no. Both doors still have their locks, so I'm waiting for the maintenance guy to get here with the key. About that time, two additional military police officers arrived and one said, let's get this over with, and they all started walking towards the bathroom. The senior officer turned to me and said, Sir, do you and the sergeant mind going to wait at the other door? I told them we're not equipped to deal with some drunk. That's your job. He laughed and said, I don't think anyone will come out that side anyway. More precaution, if you don't mind. Satisfied, I walked to the sidewalk so I could see the back door. The noise from the bathroom was getting worse. It was clear all the showers were on from the steam. You could hear toilets flushing and what I assume was stall doors banging. The military police gave me a thumbs up as they went to unlock the padlock on the door. Suddenly, and I presumed when they opened the door, all the noise stopped. All we could hear was the water running and then the military police announcing their entry. Shortly after that, we could hear them yelling clear as they moved down the building and cleared all the areas. When they got to the end of the building I was on, 
they started turning off the showers and moving back towards the other door. I went to the front door wanting to see who they brought out, but as they came out the senior guy told his subordinates to make sure the power was off and to lock up. He asked me and the sergeant to walk with him. When we got back to the smoking area he said, We didn't find anyone inside. I was in disbelief. Clearly someone had been in the bathroom and I told him it was impossible. He held up his hands and said, Sir, this is not the first time this has happened. Every few months we get calls that someone is messing around over here. When we get here, we search and clear the building and find nothing but running showers and if the bathroom has supplies, they'll be thrown all over the place. But we never find anyone inside. I don't have an explanation for it, but from what I understand this has been going on for years. There's a standing order that no military police go into that bathroom alone and at least one of the military police doing a search must be male. I asked him why, but he told me he wasn't sure. He had just heard that a female MP came away with unexplained injuries when she had searched the bathroom alone. In my mind I said this is bullshit, just the active army messing with the National Guard again. The military police left, and the sergeant and I talked for a bit. She was originally from Louisiana and joined the National Guard when she got out of the army at Fort Bragg. I told her I thought this was all bullshit, a prank by the military police. But she was not so sure. She said she thought it was supernatural. Three additional times during our stay, people reported hearing noises, screaming and running water from the building. Each time the response was the same. Three military police would show up, search the building and find no one. When it came time to clear the building, I asked the housing manager for a moment when we were done. He looked at me and said, You have questions about the bathroom, right? I said yes, and he told me to walk to his truck with him. He told me in 2009, a soldier who was doing an augmentation mission from Fort Hood committed suicide in that bathroom. Sadly, this is not uncommon. Soldier suicide is at an all-time high. After his death, the housing team started getting reports of issues in the bathroom. The first incidents were with the stall door, the one where the soldier died. It would just not stay on its hinges. They would get calls nearly daily that the door had fallen off, only to find it undamaged and laying on the floor. Then, during a period of no units using the building, they would open it up only to find the door off and on the floor and all of the showers running. A few years later, he said the military police started getting calls. People had started to hear screams and yelling in the bathroom, while some people were being punched while showering. In 2012, the building maintenance team and the military police decided to leave the building locked. While it took one bathroom away, it was not worth the constant hassle of dealing with the calls. That's when they started getting calls about somebody trashing the bathroom. Early on, the military police would get the key and search the building, turn off the showers and lock it back up. However, one night, a female officer got the call. She arrived, went in, and was beaten, somewhat badly. After a long investigation, no one was ever charged with her assault. The officer herself said she didn't see the attacker, but that the punches came from all directions. This is when the unofficial policy of three military police and at least one male on the team started. He looked at me and said, Sir... I don't believe in spooks and stuff, but whatever is in there, 
It scares me. Our last story from this episode actually comes from the Instagram page that I referenced a few episodes of Weekly Creepback, Tales from the Grid Square. If you have not checked out this Instagram page, absolutely get onto it. It's tales underscore from underscore the underscore grid square. I'll put it here if you're watching this on video. Um, It's all military stories. It just happens to be our second military story on this episode, but check it out. It's brilliant. The The Instagram page, just, just check it out for yourself. I've spent a lot of time going through the different posts and uh, this one is called Knock at the Door and it was uploaded on October 31st, Halloween, I think. In and around there. So if you want, you can, you can read it on there. I'm not a veteran, but my uncle was. He was in the Coast Guard in the 80s, mostly doing hops around Hawaii. When he got out, he joined an MC, gets married, and him and his wife work as industrial welders across the country for 20 years. They settled down on a patch of woods in the mountains in Washington, about 30 miles away from Astoria, Oregon. His wife had a bad motorcycle accident and found yoga and got into holistic healing. My uncle isn't into this, but he appeases her while staying very much the skeptic. They really do live almost in the middle of nowhere in the woods. So someone knocking on their door just after dusk is rare and strange. And either very unwelcome or friend in dire need. My uncle looked outside, thinks he sees a woman who is injured and sounds distressed. So he opens their inner door and sees a woman clutching her abdomen and bleeding profusely on the porch. He tries to ask her what happened, but she only continues to ask for help to be led inside. Not yet sure what the threat that injured the woman may be, he continues to seek a definitive answer to any question and continues not to get one. At this time, my aunt becomes aware that although she heard no knock, my uncle said that someone was at the door and she may need help. But my uncle has not said anything since opening the door. My aunt comes around the corner to see my uncle standing at the door, but he isn't speaking like he thinks he is. He's barely making sound and his mouth is struggling to move, as if he's had a stroke or something. She tells my uncle to close the door. The injured woman and my uncle both look at her. My uncle and the woman look back at each other and he notices that she has no face. He slams the door and they hear the woman scream. It sounds as if she's both far away and all around them in the room at the same time. They lock everything and turn out the lights and take turns on night watch with guns. They exchange their versions of the event with each other. She tries to explain skinwalkers and he still can't wrap his head around what's happening. The next morning he checks the porch. The blood is dried, stained and frozen. But it's still there and there's a lot of it. No signs of any animal tracks onto or away from the porch or any injured animals found nearby. They did a lot of research and found the area had been heavily populated by nomadic Native Americans. A large village worth of people had been swept away in a large flood a couple of hundred years ago. My aunt starts doing ceremonies on the land and cultivating it. She said she made contact with the spirit on the land. It was a good spirit and it respected their respect of the land and life on it. And then everything on their land got great and no spookies ever happened to them again. 
okay, guys, that's the end of the episode. That's the end. That is it. That is all. Um, no, thank you very much for sticking around and listening. Again, apologize. Again, apologies that we couldn't, uh, that we had to break up the HJ Storm series, but we'll get back to it next week. Um, I think just one more episode and that's going to wrap that up. Pretty excited. It, it's an insane story. And thank you to all the people who reached out messaging, saying that they're really enjoying it. You know, that obviously is very encouraging and, and we'd love to hear from you all. Yeah, that's about it. If you want to rate, review, subscribe, like, listen, do all those nice things. If you do one thing for us, tell your friends. Word of mouth is how we get by. We got a lovely message a couple of weeks ago from um, a girl who was getting a tattoo and her tattoo artist told her. So shout out to Savannah. Thank you very much. I'm really bad with names. That was really cool. So yeah, we will see you next week with Dulce and, you know, regular episode. And uh, yeah, bye. The work we needed to do was long and hard, that's what she said.